Cropcast, a series of monthly podcasts covering topical issues throughout the season. We will also bring you some of the latest research from experts. My name is Tiffany McTaggart, and this week we're going to be discussing ecological focus areas, also known as EFA. EFA is a requirement on many arable farms, but are you utilising your EFA to its full advantage? Or are you putting it in because you have to? Today we're speaking to David Mathieson from Scottish Government and Neil Melville from SAC Consulting to discuss which options are available and how you can make best use of them. Welcome, David and Neil. First off, David, could you introduce yourself? Thanks, Tiffany. I'm David Mathieson. I work with the Land Inspections team in Edinburgh. This is uh, my fourth role in the ARPID. I started off as an agricultural officer in Gala Shields about 15 years ago, um, mainly doing the rural stewardship scheme inspections and livestock inspections, then moving on to doing growing crop potato inspections. From there, moved into Edinburgh, and I've kind of yo-yoed backward and forward between the two, but I'm now, now, now running the land inspections team in Edinburgh. Thanks, David. Neil, could you introduce yourself? Hi, I'm Neil Melville. I work in consulting at the Cooper office. I cover Fife and give general agricultural consultancy advice. Uh, during the year, I complete a lot of IACS forms, and we generally get lots of questions about what can and can't be done for EFA each year. Excellent. There's a lot to consider with EFA, and it is likely that most arable farms will have EFA in one form or another on their farm. David, could you begin by clarifying what the purpose of EFA is? Nice and simply, it was brought in uh, in the, the CAP reform uh, for 2015 across Europe to improve the biodiversity across farmers and uh, while still allowing production to maintain. So that's well, that's where we got our 5% level from that we, we currently abide by under the Scottish rules. Following Brexit, all the EU legislation was transferred across into Scottish legislation. Neil, what are the seven options which farmers could implement on their farm? Fallow, grass or field margins, nitrogen fixing crops, catch crops, which is a crop undersown generally in grass, green cover, which is an autumn established green seed mix that grows through the winter, and hedges, which are just the length of a hedge multiplied by a standard square meterage. And the final one is agroforestry. That's great. We'll get into more detail on each of the options as we go on, as well as mentioning the new farm woodland option, which is available for 2023. So if we begin with fallow and margins, these seem to be two of the options which I see most frequently when completing single application forms. Neil, could you explain what the differences are between fallow and field margins? Fallow is an area that's been in crop the previous year that is then taken out of production between 15th of January and the 15th of July. Generally, it's an overwintered stubble that's been left to naturally regenerate for that period. Uh, margins are either regenerated stubble, which could be claimed as a margin, which would give them a higher multiplier, or it could be claimed as fallow. Uh, but you only see that a few times. Generally, the margins are established as grass and are around the boundaries of fields or splitting large areas of arable land with a grass strip. 
So David, could you tell us a bit about how the scoring system differs between fallow and margins? So the, the scoring system, again, these were all set by the, in the EU legislation before we picked them up and wrote the guidance for all our Scottish farmers. But very simply, uh, EFA fallow has a, a one-to-one one rule. So one hectare of the fallow land cover, it gives you one hectare of EFA. Whereas the EFA fuel margins have a 1 to 1.5 ratio. Neil, just picking up on something that you mentioned, you mentioned fallow is usually arable land that was in crop the previous year and then it's in fallow the next year. Am I right in thinking that fallow can stay in the same place over multiple years? Yes, it can, or it can progress within a rotation. But Generally, it stays in the same place every year. And you, I should add that temporary grass that's in its age is one to five years old can also be claimed as EFA fallow as long as you shut the gate on the grass on the 15th of January and don't touch it again till the 15th, well, till after the 15th of July. Okay, so are there some advantages of leaving your field in fallow compared to if you decide to have it longer term as a field margin? Well, field margin, if you've established a field margin as grass and you manage it, the field margin can stay fairly tidy and doesn't have weed encroachment into your arable crop. Uh, Whereas if you claim the margin as just natural regeneration, uh, you're just going to get arable weeds building up and edging into the crop. Maintaining the same area of fallow year on year for EFA fallow, you do get a buildup of arable weeds, but if it's just going to be sitting fallow and we manage it well after the 15th of July so that we're in it before the seed sets, then it's not going to be too bad a source of weeds for other crops. But there's always the odd issue that year on year fallow areas are just overgrown with various weeds and you get neighbours complaining if the farmer isn't managing them very well. But these areas can be managed by topping or some people spray them off with Roundup. It really just whatever suits your business practice. Thanks, Neil. David, is there any way that you would be allowed to control the weeds before the 15th of July in the fallow? Um, spot treatment of the injurious weeds is allowed um, on, on these EFA options. Um, if it is a bigger problem, you can always write into your area office and depending on what the weed is, there may be potential for us to to, to allow certain actions. It's it's not uh, not universally given though. Um, the other options that they, they have as well though is uh, creating wild bud seeds or wild flower mixes in it too. So. Uh, possibly a bit of cultivation there can help control control weeds as well. Would you suggest that it could be better putting them into wild bird seed mix so then you're benefiting the biodiversity more than just leaving it as stubble that's been left? I suppose that's very much down to the farmer uh, and, and their own choice and their own business. Uh, they'll know themselves what they want to do throughout the year or what they like doing. So um, there's a bit of scope for them to do to, to make those changes if they want to. I'd agree with David. Establishing wildflower mix and wild bird seed mix would increase the biodiversity. 
You have also to think of the field and its rotation, what the following crop is and what varieties are in wild birdseed mix or wild flower mix that could be either a carrier of disease or become a weed in the following crop. We do see quite a bit of wild birdseed established. It's a good food source for birds and cover for game for those farmers that have shoots. That's a great option, being able to use it for game cover as well. It definitely gives much more options. So thinking a bit more about margins, where would you try and place your margins to be able to benefit your farm the most? It comes down to what you're trying to do to benefit your farm. The margin would be beneficial in taking out areas that don't produce crop very well or are needed to be put down in some form of grass as a buffer strip. Something like from the top of a riverbank into the area crop where there's a slightly steeper slope towards a water course that would benefit um, normal farming practice by being a buffer. Quite a lot of people put them in the back of a hedge. This helps stop weeds that grow at the base of the hedge encroaching out into the arable crop. You can establish a grass margin between the hedge and the crop and you get a lot more clear space that weeds aren't encroaching across into the crop. But you must be careful that you don't put in a grass CFA margin and then use them as access tracks. This is what has happened when this EFA option first came about. There was a few people caught out as they put grass margins in and then used them to access another field through the back of the first one. Most of them are now aware of the issue and don't use this for travelling. David, is there any other key things that farmers need to know to make sure that they're staying within the rules other than using them for tracks, which Neil has just mentioned, is not allowed. I think, as Neil said earlier on, yeah, just to make sure it's not in agricultural production on the, the margins between January and the, the, the 15th of July. Fine, fine to graze them after that or take a take a cut of hay off them after that, as long as they're not uh, going down towards a, a, a water course or something like that. But uh, no, I think Neil pretty much covered it. What a great idea to be able to cut hay off them. Is there a maximum width that you are allowed to have a field margin? Hey, 20 metres this year is the, is the maximum width. Um, it's fairly long established that, um, although some producers will go down to the, the two metres for the, the geek strip as well. Okay, so Neil mentioned hedges earlier and suggested that you can put a field margin next to the hedge to stop the weeds. What are the rules about claiming a hedge and a margin next to the hedge? So you can you can claim so if you have your your arable crop and then you have your twenty meter strip from the arable crop right out to the boundary of your parcel your field, uh, you and then you have your hedge as well is within that twenty meters. You effectively get the benefit of having the twenty meter field margin, and you get the hedge cover as well on top of that. So it's a it's a it's a slight win for the farmers in that one. Great with the hedgerow, provides a, a habitat, it provides a, a a feed source, and it provides a, a a corridor as well for for wildlife to travel up and down. And similar with the margin, depending on what's in it too, it's uh, it covers that bridge, covers that as well. That's great. It definitely sounds like an easy win having a margin next to a hedge. I think there will be people who have not realised you can claim the margin when filling in a single application form. I also know there's a bit of confusion about whether a hedge can be claimed, if it is a 50% hedge or 100% hedge. 
David, are you able just to kind of explain what the guidance is and when you can and cannot claim them? I'll try and use a simple scenario here. There are there are various scenarios, but the, the most simple scenario is if you have a boundary between you and, boundary hedge between you and your neighbour, and it's right up the centre. Both got arable on either side. Each business can claim the EFA fifty, which is half the hedgerow. Um, if it was all in Farmer A's parcel, uh, he can claim it as EFA 100 because he's got control of the hedge. Um, and where, a, where a, a farmer wouldn't be able to claim a hedge is, say for example, there was a, a hedge down the roadside. It's on the, the council verge rather than on the, the farmer's own land. He would not be able to claim it at that point. What about if the hedge is kind of splitting the verge with the field? Could you then claim 50% or is that not possible? If, it, if it's on the boundary, he would be able to claim the EFA 50 as well if he owns half the hedge. Right, that makes sense. Control of Dorcas has control of half the hedge is probably better. So it's almost thinking about who cuts the hedge. Does the farmer cut the hedge or does someone else cut the hedge? It's probably a good way of putting it. So moving on to cover crops, green cover, and nitrogen fixing crops, can we begin just by trying to differentiate what all three are? Nitrogen fixing crops for EFA, you need to establish two different nitrogen fixing crops. This started out as quite a popular option because you're allowed to have an area of clover and an area of field beans, for example, and it encouraged farmers already cropping spring beans, which also could then be claimed as EFA nitrogen fixing, which was a win-win for those farmers. Uh, then there was a rule brought in of no crop protection products to be applied to these nitrogen fixing crops claimed as EFA, so that put farmers off doing nitrogen fixing crops. Catch crops is basically either spring barley undersown in grass and then the cereal nurse crop is harvested normally, leaving you with a new grass lay, which in a year like this year can be quite useful grazing opportunity for sheep and cattle in the autumn. Following on from that, you've got your green covers, which are autumn established green manure mixes, which are sown after harvest and left to grow until January when they're either grazed off or topped and ploughed down. And David, how does a scoring compare for these three crops? So for the, e the EFA nitrogen fixing crops, it's again, it's the one-to-one -one, like fallow one hectare equals one hectare of the environmental focus area. Um, obviously, you have to have with your, your nitrogen fixing crops, you have to have the fuel margin round about it. Again, that's the one-to-one point five ratio. And then the the two the two other options the the, the catch crops and the green cover crops are both 0.3 uh, ratio. So basically, uh, if you have ten roughly ten hectares of a uh, green cover or a uh, catch crop, that equates to three three and a bit hectares of the EFA. So for the nitrogen fixing crops. What species could you be planting? So for the, the nitrogen fixing crops, it's uh, alfalfa, Neil's already mentioned, spring beans, bird's foot trefoil, chickpea, red and white clover mixes, uh, lentils, lupins and peas and vetches. Um, 
if you're sewing a mix though, you need to ensure that uh, whatever's the predominant part of the, the predominant nitrogen fixing crop in that is the what you claim that as on your IAX form. So if you're sewing a, a red and white clover mix, but it's predominantly red clover in it, uh, you need to call it red clover on the mix for your, your first crop. That makes sense. So Neil, if you're going and selecting which species to put in, what sort of things would you be thinking about? Whatever suits your farm practice. So as I said above, when it first came out, a lot of farms were using spring beans because that's what they were using as a protein source for their livestock in the winter. So the two nitrogen fixing crops was spring beans and a clover mix plot, you know, including red and white clover mix, which was cut and made into silage. But if you were just using it as a kind of nitrogen-fixing manure, then you could have a mix of clovers, trefoils, and things like that. Use it more like a green manure, fixing nitrogen for the benefit of the next crop. Okay, so for the nitrogen-fixing crops, is the guidance on when it needs to be established and how long it needs to be in the ground for? Not for establishment, but uh, it can't be harvested after, sorry, it, it has to be harvested after the, the 1st of August. Um, that's to, to try and help the, the ground nesting birds. Uh, with regarding the catch crops, they, they are, as Neil says, they are established with the, the cereal crop and after harvest they can be grazed. Um, green covers have to be established after harvest time, but before the 1st of November. And the green covers have to be in there from the 1st of November till the 31st of December, after which, if you want to, you can you can cultivate, plow them, plow them down, if you want to use them as a manure, or if you're wanting to use them for grazing purposes, you can graze them after the 31st of December. Definitely sounds like it's worth double-checking what the dates are for them all, because they sound quite similar to start with, but the dates are very different for them. Yeah, you do get quite a lot of questions in the autumn of when can I do what with my EFA. It's, a lot of them with green cover, they know what they're going to do when they fill in their IAX. That field is going to be in such and such in September, October time. Then they phone asking what date it has to be in by, what field it has to be put in, so it's useful sending them a copy of their IAX and a map with it clearly marked on it. Rural Payments and Services website also has details on all the options and management requirements. So thinking about green cover, is there any particular species that can be planted which will offer the farmer the most benefit? It depends on how early in the summer they get them established because the date they have to be in by is the 1st of November. Any of the green cover crop options on the list, um, establishing them just before the 1st of November, they're not going to develop very well between the 1st of November and the 31st of December. But a summer like we've just had, when a lot of the harvest is done before August, the green covers could have been put in straight after harvest and they could be very well established you could have put in red clover or white clover mixes with barley or oats. And by early January, it could be a very good stand of green biomass. And whether grazed or topped and ploughed down, there's a lot of use in it. So there are some good mixes, but it just depends on the summer and when you get them established. By the sounds of it, the earlier the better. Yep, definitely. David, do you have anything else to add on green covers? 
just a good thing, a good practice to do is make sure you hang on to your, your seed mix labels and your, your invoices so that uh, if, for example, you, you've tried to establish a green cover and we come out and to do an inspection and it's it's failed, this uh, you've got the evidence there that you've you've attempted to establish the, the, the green cover. That's definitely very good advice. I'm sure there's been a frustrated farmer in the past who's thrown out the label or can't find the invoice. So, Neil, what is your view on catch crops? I know I've spoken to a few farmers and some love them and think they're great. Others detest them and won't go near them. What are your views on it? I find catch crops are usually used as an EFA farm option for predominantly stock farmers who have a small area of arable ground. They've been used to establishing grass as an under-sow, so they use the catch crop option because it's beneficial to them. When this option came up, it was a no-brainer for them. They just thought, we do that anyway, so we'll just carry on doing it. It's not something that the big arable guys are going to do because then they're going to have a grass crop in the rotation, which they need to find a grazier or someone to take for silage. Uh, Someone needs to make use of it. That's why the green cover mix comes in for the big arable guys, mainly mixed farmers that have been doing cover crops in the past and it was already farming practice um, and they've just used it as a win. So moving on, the last EFA option which has been available in previous years is agroforestry. David, could you start by telling us what agroforestry is and give us an indication of how many people are actually using the option because I know I've not come across it before. Agroforestry, it's it's only come in in the last sort of few years. Um, it's it's not had a large uptake in numbers, but there have been a few applicants over over the course of time. Um, it's very prescriptive in the fact that it has to have been in an arable crop beforehand, and it also has to have a, a woodland creation plan through uh, approved under uh, the FGS, the Forestry Grant Scheme. Um, for it to be eligible, um, it is a good option if you if you meet those criteria. Again, it's the the one to one ratio, the same as the fallow. Um, it also has to, the the arable land also has to it has to be an arable land since twenty fifteen as well. So if it, if it's been permanent grassland since then, it's that's that's not eligible either. Um, and then. Again, they have to submit a, a map like a lot of the other options every every uh, every May with their, their IAX form. Um, of course, there is the the new this new service on our, our mapping platform that allows farmers to uh, put their EFAs in through that through that process. So, hopefully, trying to make things a little bit more straightforward and get, get up to date with technology a little bit as well for producers. So when you've put in agroforestry, does it have to stay in arable cropping or could it be in grass and have livestock grazing? Under the agroforestry schemes for the, with the Forestry Commission, they can uh, they can graze them or they can be inter-row cropped, although I must admit that I haven't heard of anybody inter-row cropping myself. Um, so oh, I suppose it's a, a bit out there for interpretation for farmers. There is inter-row cropping going on in Fife. One of the main things to watch out for is making sure you get your measurements right between the rows. I hear from contractors that it can be an issue if you've 
width isn't right. Other other things about agroforestry option is the, there's only two forestry grant scheme options that can be used as compatible with the EFA agroforestry option. We've had a few people wanting to use agroforestry on land that they have established woodland on in the past few years, but they didn't establish it under the said two forestry grant options. So it's one thing to make sure you get right before you venture into this scheme. Yes, it's definitely worth getting it right. It could make a diff- big difference to what the EFA claim is at the end of the day. So in addition to the seven options, which we've already discussed, there is a new option for 2023. So from November 2022, small woodlands approved under a Scottish Rural Development Programme scheme since 2015 can be utilised as ecological focus areas. While the planned legislative changes will be subject to parliamentary approval, the move is aimed at encouraging crofters and land managers to plant small areas of trees to help boost biodiversity and tackle climate change. The proposed changes will be brought in for the 2023 claim year, with areas planted since the 1st of January 2015 being eligible to be claimed. There is going to be more information on this option available in due course. Neil, what do you think about these changes? I don't think they'll bring that many changes to what we do. Um, The few people that have asked in the past about agroforestry, they've either got their used to using what they're using um, and won't change or... Um, there's the odd one that might make use of it, but none of their the agroforestry areas that we've been talking about in Fife are big enough to take care of these farms' whole EFA requirements anyway. So it's it's a it's a bit of a change that is going to be partially helpful, but it's not going to revolutionise EFA. It's not going to take care of everyone's total area anyway. So for the farmer listening to this podcast and now thinking about their own EFA for 2023 and beyond, David, what would your three top tips for the farmer be? I don't know about top tips for farmers, but uh, most farmers know their businesses. Um, they know the, the ground they've got. They know the, 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 pit, the bits that they think are maybe not, uh, producing as well, so they maybe think that bit would be a good bit to put into something. Um, they they know they've got a, a good, there's a, advisors out there that can help them make these decisions, and they also know if they've got any queries, they can phone any of our, our local area offices across the country. Um, if they're if they're after a bit of guidance on, uh, is, is what I want to do eligible as well. Excellent advice. And Neil, what are your top tips? I think farmers have to make sure that they know or they ask at least what the EFA options are, make sure that the ones that they pick suit their farming system or farming operations, and then also make sure that they're fully aware of the dates. There's no point in the best EFA option for your farm and then cutting it or grazing it on the wrong date and getting caught and losing your payment. Definitely worthwhile getting everything right. David, what are the penalties if you do not go and quite follow the guidance? You'd see a reduction in your, your greening payment, which is roughly 30% of your BPS. Mm, the 
vast, vast majority of this is going to be on your Region 1 land. So it's going to be around about €80 Euros worth of uh, payment that the, per hectare that the producers would be would be losing. And there are, there are multipliers that work up from that as well. So, yeah, it, it can end up being quite costly, especially if you, you breach the whole thing. Sounds like it. Definitely worth seeking that extra advice, whether from your consultant or speaking to your local ARPID office. I think farmers are all very aware now that policy is changing, having had Brexit. EFA as it currently is, how long is that likely to continue? The, the EFA is likely to be in place until 2025. Um, it's, there's, there's obviously work ongoing on future schemes at this moment in time, but uh, there's, there's nothing set in stone for them. Thank you for joining us today. A massive thank you to all of today's speakers. And thank you for joining us for this episode of CropCast. If you've enjoyed listening, please like, subscribe and follow our podcast available on the FAS channel. Leave us a review and let us know how we're doing. And if you'd like to get in touch, you can find all of our contact details in the show notes below. You may also enjoy some of our other shows, such as Natural Capital, a series of podcasts exploring natural assets and their value, or Agriculture, a series of podcasts chatting to notable people in farming. Join us again next time for CropCast. The Farm Advisory Service Podcast. Audio advice on livestock, crops and soils, environment, rural business and more. Brought to you in association with the Scottish Government.